Welcome, Rinkrets, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast, episode 30, the first of the Blackhawks season, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. And use that discount code, The Rink, to get all of your rink wear this year. Get it early. Get it before it gets sold out. Super loop. Uh, today is Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. I'm Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? Yes, Satan. And I'm joined by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy who ruins everything, Mr. John <laughs> Jekyll. Hello, sir. I miss Michael Kempney. <laughs> we miss a lot of people, I think, at this point. You big goof. And also joining us tonight is our prospect expert, Mr. Aaron Goldschmidt. Hello, sir. Lance Boma's gone. Nathan Noel is here to stay. You done messed up, A.A. Ron! <laughs> Welcome, Mr. Goldschmidt from smoky Denver, Colorado. That, that is where you are, right? That is where I am. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you weren't traveling or something on the road or anything like that. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Don't you worry. All right. Well, maybe I could go back to Denver. I'd like to go out there and see him when the Hawks play uh, out there. But I'm uh, that. Yeah. So anyway, together, the three of us right now are your most trusted sources. It's your favorite online hockey hangout, the dash rink.com. The dash with the cash. <laughs> um, so let's get right into things, huh? Let's see. We haven't had a. Uh, we haven't been uh, recording for a while because not a whole lot was going on. But Blackhawks opened up their preseason. Uh, they started camp last Friday. They had the uh, the Blackhawks fan convention brouhaha this weekend on Saturday, and uh, they opened up their preseason last night versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, they lost four to one. Uh, you were there, Mister Jekyll. I was. What? Uh, what say you about uh, what what we saw as far as the half AHL, half junior slash uh, junior AHL, whatever lineup that was going on out there? Uh, you know, about what you could expect. And I'm going to take this opportunity to um, <laughs> qualify some comments I made in the recap this morning that um, some some readers took offense to my describing Colin Delia's performance as ugly, and perhaps I was a bit extreme in that characterization. Um, I think he could play better than he did last night. I don't think he played that well. Um, it looked like he was having difficulty tracking the puck and, and getting set, um, and I think it showed at times, and, you know, so be it. People don't like that tough, but, you know what, if he plays well, I'll point that out too. Um, beyond that, um you know, I think that um, uh, you know, you, you, it was it was the best you know the best players they had there ostensibly were Artem Anisimov and Dylan Sakura. They were both minus two, team worst. Um, you know, it uh, there were a couple of young guys who stuck out. You know, Dominic Cahoon, um, Alex Fortin, um, I, oh, Nathan Noel at times. I impressed me. You know, with his speed and 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 his his uh, willingness. Andreas Martinson, every time I looked down at my phone, the building would shake and he was he was engaged with somebody. Um, he's picking up right where he left off last year. Um, you know, a couple of the Blake Hillman, I thought, was really, really solid in, in his own end under a lot of pressure, too. 
Um, and uh, he just he's really calm and cool and doesn't panic and and uh, gets the puck out of danger really really well. And uh, so there was you know there were some nice individual things and you know there were some some other you know guys out there who were clearly just you know sort of fodder. Um, I thought that Yoki Haru and um, Boakvist you know they were okay. They were they both had that look of panic in their eyes at times. They had that um, look of dick panic end, in their literally eyes. Literally, they were right in front of me. Go ahead. Sorry. Now I would say they had that look of dick panic in their eyes. <laughs> Not that look. <laughs> um, it's it's hard to equal. It's hard to duplicate that. But uh, you know, I, I, but both of them, you know, obviously, you know, skate really well. Um, and um, you know, there's talent there. But I, I think both of them, as we've been saying all along, are probably still another year or two away. Um, but then again, with the situation on the blue line with the injuries, you never know. I mean, it's just it's just kind of it's, it's just so funny every year how, you know, fans get so uptight about this guy or that guy making the team. And, you know, if Yoki Haru uh, makes the team and he's definitely the more likely of the two to do that, it would it will be because of injuries. It won't be because this guy's really NHL ready because he's he's not. Um, and, um, you know. It was it was fairly evident in the game last night, and to and to your point, Jeff, when we were talking before we came on, on um, on the air, you know, it's it is probably a little unfair to criticize Delia because the the defense in front of him was was not that great. You know, all that said, it was the same defense that Cam Ward played behind too, and um, I actually just thought Ward was a little better. I thought the Ward, you know, the two goals he gave up were not his fault, and um, he made a couple of nice saves, really nice saves. So. Um, but it's, it's, you can't take much. It's one game. Can't take much from it. Right. I mean, the Blackhawks were outshot, what, 31, 22 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, the high danger chances kind of favored, uh, favored, uh, Columbus a little bit, but, um, yeah. you know, it was only about, I think it was like five to four or something like that. As far as high danger chances go, it wasn't really like a high quality game. I mean, it's what you would kind of expect out of a, a first preseason game with, questionable lineups i mean there uh, there, there weren't a, you know a ton of stars the of course columbus had more stars playing for them uh the blackhawks had uh, basically no stars playing for them no they, they really didn't and and um you know still i mean they had two ostensibly <clears throat> two of their um you know main centers playing kruger and um anisimov and and they were pretty much destroyed in the dot which i pointed out and Fortunately, nobody got too upset about that, <laughs> you know, um, but uh, it's, it's just overall. I mean, it's it's what you would expect on a, for a road exhibition game where you're taking your, you know, basically your AHL and junior lineup and, and guys that are not going to be around in, in a couple of weeks. It's pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as faceoffs, it, it actually it looks like Kruger did all right. He did six. He was sixty-six percent, but everyone else. Was okay, 50. so then the rest of them were absolutely terrible. Yeah, Edsel, Samuelson, Anisimov, Karashev, or, uh they were all under fifty percent. Uh, Mister Artem Anisimov, who everyone wants to argue with us about what a productive center he is, was twenty-eight point five percent at the faceoff dot. Yeah, and he was minus two. He and Sakura were minus two. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's one game. It's yeah. but I mean, Anisimov's shortcomings in the faceoff dot, you know, are a problem. I mean, just like Nick Schmaltz's are. Um, and, um, you know, we'll see as time goes on. And Schmaltz, Schmaltz may have improved. We haven't really seen him yet. So we'll see. 
Yeah. So it's like, take it all with a grain of salt. You know, it's a game. You shouldn't have to sit there and watch every shift. Um, But, you know, it's a little bit of uh, some hockey to wet your whistle. You know? Yeah. For lack of a better term. But yeah. uh yeah. Aaron Aaron, you watch it? Yeah, I did catch the game. And uh pretty much what I was looking for is you know, what are these prospects who are really young, what do they do well specifically? And for the guys who were in Rockford last year, um, do they look any better? Have they developed? And a couple of things that stood out to me. First of all, I'll start off with a guy who was not in the system, uh Brandon Davidson. Didn't really do anything for me. I don't know. I didn't watch him in person like John did, but I pretty much just didn't really realize he was out there. Um, I was, you know, keep my eye out for Boquist, Yoki Haru, Hillman especially. I'm with John. Really impressed me. But I've been watching him for a while. So, um, you know, his calm, cool collectiveness doesn't really surprise me. I think he's going to be really good, probably starting the AHL with Rockford. But, um I'm not a Gustafson guy. I know a lot of people are because of advanced stats. Not here, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I just he's just not a two way guy, and I don't know. I just I feel like you'd just be better on a, a different team. But um, I did want to point out Noel did have a noticeable game, and and when I say these prospects, like what do you do well? The Blackhawks already have the guys that you know put the puck in the net. They don't really need that to a certain extent they need guys to do specific things whether you're good at face-offs whether you're good at hitting or blocking shots or or chipping the puck like i actually like john's gonna love this i liked matthew highmore's game last night you know when I the, mo- when the mo- momentum was swinging in, in columbus's um way in the second and third periods highmore would get the puck in the neutral zone chip it deep go chase it you know put his skate on top of the puck and kind of just plug the corners and then you know they would win the win the puck and kick it back up to the blue line so i like that a lot um (laughs) i don't really know what john hayden is doing um maybe john can chime in on this because he just i'm gonna use a a gate term he looks like a guy to me i don't i don't know if he's a, a fourth line cemented player what do you guys think Oh, I think he's. I, I think he's. They've got him penciled in on the fourth line. And quite honestly, I don't know. I think anybody who ever expected him to be much beyond that was maybe a bit out over their skis. Um, you know, he's he's got he's got NHL ability, but I mean, it's just you know, he was again one of those guys when he first he first came up, and he was you know hyped as some kind of budding superstar Cam Neely guy, and. It's not really who he is. I, you know, I, I have no no problem with John Hayden at all. I mean, you know, he goes out, he plays hard, he plays a physical game. Um, and I, I think that line, actually, of Hayden and Martinson and Kruger, I think they're going to be pretty good, especially, you know, if Kruger can, can stay healthy. And I had no idea he was 65% in the dot last night. But if he can, you know, if he could be over 50% in regular season games, and <clears throat> that you know, at least you don't have to worry about the fourth line. Yeah. And, and I will give it to him and uh, and Martinson. They were pretty good along the boards. Um, but that kind of all stopped after the first period. I don't know if you felt that swing, but the momentum was all Columbus pretty much after midway through the second. Um, and then just another thing I noticed, Samuelson, I mean, those penalties, that's, uh, I mean, is yeah. he used doghouse already? I mean, it's pretty much done. First yeah. game. 
Yeah, I I, I was, you know, Samuelson taking two bad penalties, that was not good. I mean, Q will never put up with that. And I, I really think that, you know, he's always been penciled in for Rockford. I don't think it was ever a chance he was going to make the Hawks roster. So, yeah, you know, he, he'll be sent down in the next round of cuts probably, and and we'll never hear from him again. He's just kind of a favor to Ulf. Right. Uh, as far yeah. as, like, uh, what you're saying about Hayden, I didn't really notice him doing much. He was there. Uh, more than, you know, Martinson was more noticeable. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't scoring goals, but he was hitting people, and his name was being mentioned, and, and it wasn't in a negative, uh, you know, manner. So Martinson was definitely more noticeable. And uh, out of everyone on the Blackhawks, Martinson played the least amount of minutes. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, Marcus Kruger played the second least amount. You know, it's interesting. Um, when you talk about guys like Highmore, um, Alex Fortin, I just, you know, the, the, those those guys were out there, and Martinson for that matter, all those guys were out there really chasing the puck, um, playing really aggressively. Like, they were playing for jobs. Conversely, from what I could see, and I actually watched this guy for several shifts, Victor Edsel looks like he doesn't particularly care. He just doesn't look like he cares. And, you know, I, I mean, I've heard all the hype about Edsel, you know, over, you know, coming over from Sweden and then, you know, how he did in Rockford in the playoffs last year. But I have I haven't seen any anything from this guy in the NHL yet because he played a few games last year and he just seems behind the play. Um, he, he did get in front of the net. I'll give him that on a few occasions, but he just doesn't he doesn't he does not play like a big man. He doesn't play that style. And. He, yet he's not really a, he doesn't seem to have great mobility either. I, I, I just don't, I don't know if this guy is one of those guys who's always going to be a productive AHL player, but lacks the, either the ability or the willingness to be a really good NHL player. Yeah. He didn't really impress me yesterday, but he, he did look good in the, in the Traverse city tournament, which of course, yeah. uh, again, that's a huge grain of salt because you're, you know, that's even less of a, that's not even an AHL lineup. Um, but he was used a lot. They were uh, there was a big push for him. They used him at the point on the power play. They were using him all over the place. They want they want to push him now. Whether he earns it or not is another story altogether. But you can tell they are clearly pushing him to get him you know some reps, get him out there in all uh, you know in all situations. And uh, but again, well, yesterday I agree with you. He really didn't do much yesterday. But there was a whole you know half at least you know, half the team that didn't do much yesterday. So. And listen, the coaching staff in front office know him better than I do, and I've seen have seen him play both in person and and on tape a lot more than I have. And and I I hope you know that that whatever it is they see in him that he could fulfill that you know, um, and, and maybe maybe he will. Yeah, um, I just it, it just watching him last night. I mean, compared to some of the other guys, he just he didn't seem to really care that much. And you know what, preseason game that's possible too. You know? Yeah. So yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you guys mentioned, uh, Aaron, you mentioned Brandon Davidson. Um, the, I, I think he was paired with Gustafson. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I think he was, but as I'm looking, you know, I, I'm kind of looking at the stats and again, like, you know, we're, we're splitting hairs here on a first preseason game of this, of the yeah. you know, year, 
but you know, you're looking at the stats and they have really good possession numbers. They have like a, a incredible possession numbers, which were mentioned on the broadcast yesterday. But if you look, if you look a little deeper into it, their offensive zone starts 75%. So yeah. he started, you know, they started, they, they sheltered those guys. They put them in a position where they're going to, you know, probably have better positive, you know, possession numbers. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Blake Hillman and Adam Bocas who played together, and those guys just got caved in. Their their possession numbers were they were brutal. They were like under thirty five percent for their possession numbers. And but you know, Bocas really looked like he's just not ready. He, you know, in, in terms of you know everything from the blue line in and his zone, he he just didn't look ready. Well, I've never se- I've never seen him look ready even in traverse city he, he got you know uh he got a lot of playing time but he said he said also set out a game uh i didn't see anything that told me that he's even close to anywhere you know, even ahl level right now which is fine i don't think anyone expects him to be it you know just turning 18 years old being a defenseman like he's raw he's he's gonna be raw and uh, blackhawks fans should look at him and be like yeah he's raw this is a project. He's a project. Yeah. He's not going to be ready now. Just like Yoki Haru, you mentioned Yoki Haru earlier. Uh, he was another guy that, like Edsel, got a big push in Traverse City and uh, Prospect Camp and all that stuff. And, and they, they're pushing him as a name that they're trotting out to everybody. He's being brought up by Quenville, which I have, I'm so suspect that he's being instructed to point out Yoki Haru because from what Joel Quenville said yesterday after the game about how good he played and what actually happened out on the ice don't necessarily jive. I think he was just as in Q speak. And I mentioned this on Twitter was he was just okay. Yeah. And that, I mean, I mean, I stand by that because no, there was nothing that really stood out. He no, had a lot of minutes. No. He was, uh, let's see. He, he's played the most amount of minutes out of anyone on the Blackhawks. Yoki Haru did. Yeah. But, um, you know, his, like, you know, what, his Corsi or his possession numbers, whatever you want to call them, if you get all, all, all up in a tizzy because they use the word Corsi, um, was uh, just barely over 50%, which I guess is okay. Again, yeah, I mean, it's okay. you know, sometimes with young defensemen, too, sometimes if you don't notice them, that's a good thing, you know, they're because they're doing their job in their end and. Um, keeping it simple and, and not making, you know, egregious mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't see him do anything that stood out to me as, as really bad. Um, so that was good. Um, you know, speak going back for a second though, I was just looking up something here. So I, I probably correct me if I'm wrong. And Aaron, you probably know this as well as anybody probably, I'm going to guess the average age of players in the Traverse city tournament was 19 to 20 years old. Yes. No. Uh, uh, it's around there. I'd say like 19 to 22. Okay. Victor Edsel is 23 and he's played, he's played pro hockey for at least a couple of years over in Sweden. Um, so he should dominate in a tournament like that. <laughs> well, so, uh, and, 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 and to expound on that, uh, Cahoon and, uh, Jacob Nielsen, those guys, same way. Those guys are older guys that have played pro over in, in Europe and those guys should have dominated as well. Cahoon stood out to me last night that he can really skate. And, um, 
he's 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 got some nifty little moves he's he's really uh he's got some talent and at least in his feet you know um and he he made the pass that set up um Fortin on his goal mm-hmm. a little drop pass nothing you know nothing too clever but um I I actually uh Cahoon was noticeable cuz I mean he can he can really he can really move yeah well mistakenly uh for the first like uh 20 seconds after that goal was scored everyone was saying it was Cahoon that scored because uh, Pat Foley was in a drunken stupor, but <clears throat> until they finally watched the replay three times and realized that it was 84. I think they were all stunned at how soft that goal was. Yeah, it was pretty soft. Um, another player that, uh, you know, gets a lot of praise and gets a lot of talk, but really didn't stand out last night, Dylan Sakura. I mean, that was a spot where he could have stood out and he didn't. Uh, yeah. His possession numbers, not really great. Uh, he kind of looked, and like you said about Edsel, kind of looked lost or didn't care. I think uh, oh, he's he's got talent. I mean, you yeah. could you could see flashes of his ability last night. I mean, um, it's just again, I, I think that they threw these sort of threw these lines together, and I don't know if they're planning on having him play with Anisimov, they may want to rethink that because it just I don't know. It seemed like sometimes it seemed like Secura was operating like you know forty yards from from Anisimov. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I I don't really have a big problem with with Secure. I mean, he's you know he was he was engaging at times and and uh, seemed to be giving effort. Um, but they, I think they were also overwhelmed. I think they were outmatched. Yeah, by a long shot. So let's yeah. not spend too much on that. But we did want to bring it up because it is the subject at hand. Um, so some news has hit since we recorded last. Um, the first. First and foremost, Corey Crawford was marched out to the media. He answered, finally answered what, you know, the official injury is, which is uh, post-concussion syndrome, and he's still seeing, uh, you know, symptoms of that. Uh, there's a lot of word games going on, uh, especially, you know, the, the, the organization, and there's a lot of, he's close. You know what? He's not close. Um He's been on the ice for five days straight. He's been in, in a private session, very controlled, yeah. less a half hour or less. This morning he left early, which I don't care what it is. If you leave early and you on your sixth, um, you know, on ice half hour on ice session, you you don't last more than ten minutes. You they they're they're trying to just you know throw water on a flame here by let, not letting it. Uh, you know, fire up or anything. Uh, but that's not a good sign. He should have been no. out there. He should, he, he should be out there more and more, not less and less. Right. I mean, I, I'm going to take issue with some of the other writers and bloggers too, who are getting all breathless about this. I mean, if it's, if it's a major achievement for him to be on the ice for six days straight in, you know, controlled one-on-one practices, um, that is so far from actual NHL action and the things he's going to have to deal with in actual NHL action that I, I it's like, I mean, yeah, I, there's a glimmer of hope, but, but don't, there's nothing to get really excited about here. He's still really far away. And I, I mean, you know, Quinville said something today that I thought, you know, you know, maybe Joel is just like really holding out hope and lighting candles here. But like talking about how he didn't want to rule him out for the first game of the season. Oh Jesus! Really? Figure it out. 
Yeah. I, I don't know. He's I just, not, the whole he, thing is, yeah. He's not playing. I mean, everyone has to stop buying into the lies and the BS. And, you know, the Blackhawks, and, you know, on top of all this, they already decided, they set out this new policy that they're going to now disclose injuries more specifically than upper body, lower body. Uh, you guess it, whatever it is. But, um, you know, the, the Blackhawks are trying to keep the fan base from melting down. And they already have terrible ticket sales. Aaron, you brought this up. You know, the the uh, the, the opener uh, still doesn't seem to be, uh, still doesn't appear to be sold out. They're offering these weird three-game plans. Uh, they just, could do playoff priority. Yeah, playoff priority. In where? 2020? I mean, they're, uh, clearly, this team, you know, they're trying to make sure that everyone doesn't bail and abandon ship. And by saying, hey, Carter Crawford's on the ice, he's close. Well, how close? They're not right. saying that. They're just saying close. Close to what? Close to next year? Close to January? Close to what? He's not that close. He's he, uh, This is a very controlled environment. You know, it's if you, you can watch all the videos that, that uh, Charlie Romeliotis and, and all the other guys are putting up online, it's a great example. You look at it, it's very slow, very controlled. There's nothing yeah. that's taxing him very much. Right. You know, it's like one, you know, a move, move, and they take one shot at him. And then he stops right. and he slowly gets up and he saunters back into position. There's nothing quick about any of it. This is nowhere close to even practice speed. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing about this whole sort of sham, if you will, is yeah. anyone assuming that, you know, he, okay, fine, let's let's just say miraculously three weeks from now he's ready. He's ready to play. Um, what's to say he's going to be the Corey Crawford that we remember? Um, you know, even though he can actually play in, in an NHL regular season game. Um, it's just there's a lot of leaps being made here um, based upon hope. I mean, it's like the tyranny of hope, you know. Um, it's it, I don't know. I just I think people are being extremely unrealistic and they're setting themselves up for disappointment. And anybody who's kind of fanning those flames is being disingenuous. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, there's a difference between having hope and just being oblivious. Yeah. And being ignorant of the situation. And, um, yeah. yeah. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah. I think the best approach that I've kind of just, uh, made for myself, I, just count Corey Crawford out. Okay. Right. Cor- anything Corey Crawford gives you this season and beyond is a bonus. Agreed. Just assume that he's going to give you nothing because there's a higher probability that he's not going to be the same Corey Crawford. And there's a hundred percent probability that this defense still stinks. So does it matter? I mean, I know we're trying to be less negative on this podcast, but you know, there's also that news that came out with Connor Murphy's injury six weeks from now, he's going to be evaluated, but it's not six to eight weeks. It's going to be more like eight to 12. So you're for three months without a top four guy who no one really thought was pulling his weight until the second half of last season. Um, there's a ton of holes on this defense, and I don't know if we want Corey Crawford getting in there and getting pelted right away. Right. I mean, he's basically one mask shot away from a total, uh, you know, step backwards. Right now, he's he's that fragile right now. 
And it kind of showed with them pulling him off the ice. Something happened, and it wasn't equipment. You know, it wasn't an equipment thing. Uh, something happened where it may have set him back, or it may have scared him, or spooked him, or whatever. And you know, all, all it's going to take is one solid shot to the mask, or you know, getting bumped into as you know, uh, Melkin skates by, and you're right back to Corey Crawford being out for another nine months. So. Uh, they need to they need to slow their roll with this, and you know they're being more honest now, I guess. But you couldn't be any less on, honest than you were before. So I guess something is better than nothing. But um, come on, man, just just stop. You know, figure it out. Uh, I think. Well, you know, I you know I don't know how much is is I I think I do think the team is contributing to it, but I don't know. It seems like a lot of writers are carrying this water for the team on this one. I mean. Just all the you open up my Twitter feed and you just see all these these guys talking about Crawford did this today, Crawford did that today. He's close. It's like I, I'm not sure that 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 is just the writers sort of just buying in hook line and sinker. And sorry, I'm not meaning to to you know single anybody out or, or you know be harsh, but I mean it just it just seems irresponsible to me. Yeah, it is, and and I hate to say this, and I don't want to admit this because I'm not a fan of this person, but. It seems like the only, the, uh, really the only person who seems to be um, at least semi uh, calling them out, and he's still contributing to the problem as well, is Lazarus. Lazarus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to be fair. I mean, it, yeah. I've, I've read some of the things that you're talking about, and yeah, I think he's being somewhat, you know, level-headed about this, and, and um, that's good. Yeah, well, someone has to, because... Uh... Yeah, uh, I agree with you. This, you know, putting the videos up and it, it's it's creating false hope into people, and I don't I don't necessarily buy into the into the creating false hope. Uh, I don't believe in it in in prospects. I don't believe in it in you know injured players. I don't believe in it in you know NHL players providing false hope. There's a difference between you know being optimistic and just having flat out false hope. And uh, right now it's false hope. I don't see, you know, I, I still don't see uh, Corey Crawford being able to play a game before, you know, uh, I would say Christmas right now, based on, you know, what I've seen him do or not do uh, in six days of controlled on ice stuff. So you got Cam Ward and uh, Anton Forsberg, and we'll talk a little more about this later when the questions come up, but that you know, get used to that. Like Aaron, you you make a great point. Get used to Corey Crawford not being there because he's not going to be there for game one, and he may not be there for game thirty. And at that point, does it really matter? Because with the holes on defense and uh, questions on offense, uh, you know, in the bottom six, like what are going what are we going to expect out of this team any more than we had last year? Last year. The Blackhawks started out hot because Corey Crawford had a 930 save percentage. Cam yeah. Ward is not going to have a 930 save percentage to start the season. Neither is Anton Forsberg. No. Those guys are 908 goaltenders. They're not 930 goaltenders. Corey Crawford is a 930 goaltender when he's on the when he's at the top of his game. He's not at the top of his game. And neither one of those it's just not going to happen. They're not going to start off like they did last year. So I think people have really short term memories when it comes to what made this team good. 
you know, in, in the heyday, in the championship years, even in the years where they didn't win the Stanley Cup, the Blackhawks would play teams and dominate them on both sides of the ice. They would outshoot yep. teams 60 to 15, night in and night out. And they won Stanley Cups with guys who took the body and were willing to play defense. And there's just, there wasn't any of that last year. You know, people don't really understand that you don't just win games by putting the puck in the net. And we have plenty of that. We have Patrick Kane. We have Alex Zabrinka. We have all these guys, uh, Brandon Saad, when he's doing well, like all these guys are going to have rebounds in some shape or form. They're not going to be as bad as last year. There's no question. Everybody's right about that. But, you know, just because Brent Seabrook loses 15 pounds doesn't mean that he's not going to get burned by Connor McDavid. Uh, Just because Duncan Keith says he's pissed off doesn't mean he's not going to be minus 29 on the year. I mean, Henry Okiharu isn't going to save this defense. So if anybody else can tell me what has changed, what has been upgraded from last season, I'm convinced that we're going to have the same results. And we don't even have Corey Crawford. We have Cam Ward, who's never played for this team, and is on the down. So you guys tell me something different. Well, I mean, Cam Ward, I've said it all along. He he had a great rookie year, and he's really been not much since. His, yeah. you know, his save percentage is just, you know, maybe average. He hasn't been able to hold a job. He's had like three or four different guys brought in to take his job away from him, and they were worse than he was. And then he ended ends up by default and with the with the starting position again. It wasn't because he battled anyone. It wasn't because he earned it. It was because he was the guy that was left. And that's what you have to 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 now. You know, Blackhawks fans probably didn't watch a whole lot of uh, Hurricanes games, but I will tell you that Cam Ward is not the answer to any problem. He's just slightly better than what they had with the rotating cast of Jeff Glass last season. And, uh, you know, Anton Forsberg is what he is. I mean, I I also heard something today, you know, uh, not today, it was earlier this week, about Anton Forsberg, that he's very sound uh, positional goalie. He will make the saves that he needs to make, but he doesn't make anything flashy, which isn't going to help. They need flash. They're going to need someone who goes above and beyond and saves their ass, which is what Corey Crawford's done for probably two or three seasons that's made them look better than they were when they got smashed by Nashville in the first round. And then put this in simple terms, John, how does, how does this team as it is win games? Um, I, for a while, you know, one of the things I hope we talk about is what they're going to do on the blue line with, um, Murphy out and you know, Ruta has got to get better fast because, um, you know, they really, I mean, it can be argued they've got, they've got two NHL caliber defensemen, both of whom are well into their thirties. And then after that, it gets really dicey. Um, you know, I don't know how much I like Eric Gustafson as a number six defenseman, let alone a number three defenseman, you know? And, uh, so I, I think that's, I think that's something that they're going to have, you know, and I don't know, I would, you know, in, in years past, you might've said, you know, um, they could go out and, and make a deal and acquire somebody, but it seems like this this front office is either unwilling or unable at this point 
to go out and do anything really meaningful um, in the trade market. Uh, so I, I wouldn't count on that. Um, and, you know, I guess what it comes down to is, is if the, if, if, you know, for Murphy's out for 12 weeks, at least, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, maybe this season just, they're going to write this season off. I don't know. Cause, cause the, with the, with the blue line as that, as they have composed now, um, you know, Henry Yoki Haru is not coming over the horizon with the cavalry to, to save this. Um, they, they, they're going to have to, to win games. They're, they've got to be better on the blue line than what they have today. Yeah. It, it will. Let's just segue into the whole Murphy out, Ruda out, uh, Seabrook late start kind of thing. Since you already brought it up, we might as well just continue with it. Um, Murphy's out 12, well, up to 12 weeks. They say, you know, nine to 12, possibly with a back injury. Uh, Ruda's out with a groin injury. Uh, Seabrook had a late start, but then joined the second day of camp, but he's still Brett Seabrook. He's 30 something years old. Um, again, it, people are going to be completely amazed that I'm going to actually agree with Lazarus <laughs> more than once in a podcast because I can't stand the guy, but when he's right, he's right. And he kind of said yesterday in the game that the way, the way it looked to him that Brandon Davidson should have been the guy on the two-year deal at 2.5 million or 2.25 million. And that Brandon Manning should have been the guy on the roster under a PTO. Now, what does that say? I mean, he was supposed to be the guy that at least came in to help out Brandon Manning. And he's not necessarily so far. He's not showing anything to anyone other than he's a five, six defenseman that can, you know, he's serviceable. That's helping a lot for what we have right now. They have a team full of five and six defensemen. Eric Gustafson, Ruda, uh, Murphy may be in the middle pairing, but uh, it, they've got a, a system full of five and six defensemen right now. I don't yeah, think Brandon Manning's a, a middle. I think Brandon Manning brings more than Gus and, and maybe Ruda. Well, he brings a different element, but I don't know that it's necessarily going to, you know, change anything uh other than he's got a physical element to his game which now nobody other than brent seabrook if he can catch people has uh, it looks like you know brandon uh, davidson is going to make the team or because with ruda hurt and murphy out for 12 weeks uh that's starting to be what it looks like if you throw yoki hard to the wolves i mean what good is that going to be if he gets caved in every night? Even if you put him with, uh, you know, Duncan Keith, what is he going to be, you know, the next Jordan Osterley? Probably not. Can we, do a, can we do a little experiment here? Sure. I'm going to do this really fast. Let's do rapid fire. I want you guys to answer at the same time. So oh, answer immediately, yes <laughs> or no. Um, in a one game, let's not say playoff, but... If the, if the Blackhawks are playing this team tonight, who's uh, can the Blackhawks beat this team, yes or no? Okay, you guys ready? Sure. Yeah. Golden Knights? No. No. Ducks? No. No. Sharks? No. no. Kings? No. No. Flames? No. Yeah, maybe. Oilers? Uh, no. Maybe? Canucks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yotes. Yes. Yes. I would say yes. Stars. 
No. No. Lose. No. No. Abs. Maybe. Maybe. Wild. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Which one? Jets. No. Preds. No. You guys said the Blackhawks right now could beat two teams in the Western Conference. Well, you know what? I mean, there's listen. I mean, they don't they don't play those teams, you know, one time a year. I mean, they're gonna you know they're gonna have some some up some up nights and some down nights and and uh, but I don't know. I mean, it's like it's just weird how it's almost like this thing is snowballed downhill a little bit. I mean, you know, the injuries and you know the Crawford thing is is just a big big problem and. Um, uh, if Crawford were back in 100% or 95%, you know, it's, it's sort of a different story. You might even actually have some hope to be a pretty competitive team. But, you know, it's I, you know, there was a segment that was on NHL Tonight, I believe, where they asked, you know, one of the um, one of their experts, um, uh, you know, what he thought about the Hawks, and he just said and Crawford was carrying them for the last couple of years. And when he went down, that it just all the bills came due. It was exposed, and I, I think that's I think that's largely true. Yeah, I think we've all said that for years that um, Corey Crawford has masked a lot of problems that the Blackhawks had, and they got away with things. They got away with not making moves in off seasons because of it, because they 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 could boast this record, which was kind of a you know a facade, a very you know. Very, not not a very opaque uh, facade, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not very optimistic. I, I haven't been a very optimistic all along. They didn't address anything in the offseason, really, as far as holes. They still haven't. Maybe maybe the Blackhawks really are that progressive, and they really realize that, that, that there's no one or two players that's going to come in here and turn this thing around. And maybe they are just going to go out, I go out there with this with this team and they did as little as possible without spending a lot of money. And they're just going to kind of write it off. Like you said, maybe, you know, maybe we don't give them enough credit. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you actions speak louder than words. And I, I, the actions suggest that this season, that this season is basically being written off, which it, which I don't know. I mean, that's fine. But, but then the other issue is the fact that all of the, the core, the guys that you're paying all this money to, are going to be a year older, at least, whenever you decide you want to be competitive again. Um, and uh, that just does, that, that, that doesn't make sense to me in terms of the direction of the franchise. And, and we've talked about this, and I blogged about it last week. And um, so it, it just doesn't make it just doesn't make a ton. The other question is, is you know, I'm going to raise this is, is if it is a rebuild. I'm going to ask this question. I don't know if Stan Bowman is is the guy to be the GM of a rebuild. He was a great choice as far as maintaining a great core of players and, you know, trimming around the edges and making, you know, like the Michael Hanzus or uh, Antoine Vermette additions to a fantastic core that had, was already there and had been assembled prior to his taking over. But he just doesn't seem like the kind of GM that, and and certainly the record as far as drafting does not support it, that he's, that he's the guy to be a GM of a rebuild. And uh, that's why I, I just, I, I wonder if they really, if they really are trying to do that because I feel like there are still people in the front office 
who are holding out hope that it's going to all magically turn around with the guys they have and the salary commitments they've made, because that'll make everybody's job a lot easier than the hard truth of deciding to, you know, approach guys who have no movement clauses and say, we want to trade you um, and, and uh, you know, make hard decisions about players that they've drafted who maybe aren't what they were believed to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd, I'd, li- I'd like to be able to disagree with any of this stuff that any of us have said, but we kind of all agree on the same thing. Can I sneak in a shot at, on Bowman really quick? Yeah, sure. Can we talk about Fire center- away. Can we talk center depth really quick beyond Jonathan Taze? Sure. Oh, great. Please do. All right. Let's go through the list, gentlemen. Kevin Hayes, miss. Mark McNeil, Philip Deneau, miss. Tavo Teravainen, gone. Ryan Hartman, gone. He wasn't even the center. Um, who else? Nick Schmaltz. We don't even know if he can play the position if he's top six. Uh, who else? Graham Knott. Miss. Oh, huge miss. Uh, who else? Artem Anisimov. Miss. So, if Jonathan Taze is, is you know, 30 years old and he's not going to be producing numbers that you want, I just think that with everybody's just holding on to the past at this point. And I, we talked about this with Charlie and I asked the question, um, are people's reputations, you know, stronger than what's really good for this team right now? It's something that John said, does it go with the philosophy? I don't really think it does. Yeah. I mean, on the center thing, Aaron, you're, I mean, you're, you're right where I, I've been um, for a while that, that, that one of the big problems with this team, in addition to now what's a really acute problem with the defense because of injury, but is a lack of center depth after Jonathan Taves. And um, now all that said, um, Nick Schmaltz is, is a talented hockey player um, and has certain skills that that definitely make him a top six forward the question is 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 he a top six wing or is he a top six center because here's the other thing i can live with artem anisimov as my number three center if i have a number two center who who could be a reliable number two option to taves in a lot of situations um but i we don't really have that and that that makes anisimov's failings especially in the faceoff dot all the more acute um, that's why I say if Kruger could be over 50% this year in terms of being a defensive second option to Taves, that would be great. It would take some pressure off of Taves and, you know, sort of check a box. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I got to wait. I got to wait and see. But, but you know, Schmaltz to me is, is like right behind Crawford in terms of being a critical component of this team having success this year. Um, but, you know, he's got to he's got to do it as as a center because they don't have anybody else. But don't you kind of have to look at their draft picks and maybe, Gate, you can chime in on this. There's a guy tonight who's playing for the Red Wings named Joe Valeno, and apparently he's dominating um, yeah. uh, right now. He's playing really well. We had the opportunity to take him. Yeah, we did. Seven, and we decided to take another defenseman. It's another really, small defenseman. Yeah, that's, it, that's it's a just project. really hard to tell where what we're doing, where we're going, and what all this means. I mean... It's just frustrating. Well, yeah, and they're loading up, you know, in one certain area. Uh, I, it's hard to tell what their their end game is. Like, you, you use that term a lot. What's the end game here? Right. You know, are you going to have a team question. full of defensemen and no forwards then? 
Is that what's going to happen? Because and we bring we bring this, I bring this up all the time. Alex Brinkett is not going to be Patrick Kane, and Nick Schmaltz is right. not going to be Jonathan Taves. So well, they are not. You could say it's the next level or the youth or whatever. That's a step backwards. Yeah. You're taking a step backwards as far as the talent level goes. Nick Schmaltz is not going to end up being Jonathan Taves ever. No. And that's not to say that he sucks, that he's just not going to be Jonathan Taves. And Alex Dabrinkit is not going to be Patrick Kane, and that's not to say that he sucks. Well, and you know what? Realistically, we're we're not going to probably see another another player like Jonathan Taves in Chicago for another 25 years. Probably not. Guy, guys like him in his prime, not the Taves of the last couple of years, but the Taves of the yeah. eight or nine years prior to that, they don't come along. They don't come along very often. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, but at the same – but my my feeling is now I've followed this team through thick and thin since 1969. And, yes, nice. I'm old. I'm really old. Nice. Um, but, but I have. And I would – and if this team totally tore down and just went in the tank for three years in order to really get those high draft picks and really honestly – fundamentally rebuild this thing to come back really strong in three, four, five years. I would, that's what I would rather do than this, you know, just slow slide to, to mediocrity that feels like is going on. And, you know, but, but again, that's, that's a tough sell and that's a really tough sell to fans who came sort of after 2007 and all they've known with this team is success and these players. Um, but the, but we've all known, or at least should have known the, the ride was going to end. These players were going to get old and, you know, they were they were going to have to move some of them out because of salary or what have you. And and really, if you step back and look at it, that's what's happening. You know, the injury to Crawford. Yeah, he's still sort of in his prime, but he's also 33 going on 34 years old. So injuries like these, whether it was his labrum or his knee or or whatever, um, it's not unexpected that he'd start to break down. Um, and you know, Taves too, and Seabrook for that matter. I mean, and, you know, who knows? Hopefully they, they come back and have great years this year. Um, oh, but, better. let's get at her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, it's, it's very confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, basically, I mean, I guess we'll see more in the, the next... team. I think the team is confused. Yeah. I don't think they have a plan right now. Well, I think they think they have a plan, but it doesn't. I don't know that everyone is actually on the same page. I think right. Maybe some people think they have a plan, and other people don't know. Other people don't know. And other people think the uh, the plan is something else, and so it's a lot of confusion up and down. I mean, when the people who speak with the organization on a regular basis, the people in the organization like Stan Bowman and, and the reporters get this kind of access, speak with these guys on a regular, and they're confused. <laughs> that hey. says a lot. <laughs> right? Am I wrong? Yeah. You know? No, you're not. You're not. And and uh, again, I mean, and, and this goes back to our theme earlier. I mean, when when you're putting this much hope on the miraculous recovery of Corey Crawford in the next three weeks, it's it's scary. It's because there's there isn't a lot else to look at right now and go. I mean, I, listen, Bokovic a couple of times last. I think in the third period he had a. A nice little ru- uh, rush up the ice and got a shot at, off, and um, you know there there are flashes there. I mean, he could really skate, and um, you know he's re- he's re- really creative, and I think he's going to be a really good player. But it's it's three it's it's years from now. It's not months. Yeah. And um, 
you know, so there's there's it would just be nice if there was if there was more happening this year that you could get excited about. Um, but I, I just the guys that, that sort of the, all the hope is pinned on, not really any of them right now are providing a lot of excitement for this year. And I don't know. It may change, you know, tomorrow night. I mean, you know, we may see Schmaltz just absolutely flying and, you know, and him and Kane having some really nice chemistry and, and uh, you know, and maybe that ignites some of the other guys, you know, so we'll see. It's, 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 it's too early to completely despair. But it's it's also there there are things to be concerned about. Yeah, they did nothing to change our opinions thus far. So no, seem like a marketability thing. It's like, well, what do we do without the hope of Corey Crawford? You know, we right. can't we can't cut a guy like Jonathan Taves. Like a lot of if Jonathan Taves didn't win three Stanley Cups, a lot of teams would think about trading him. I mean, I just think that there's a lot to be said for. Fewer people are going to be going to see the Blackhawks this year because they're not winning. Nobody will go see the Blackhawks without Jonathan Taze on the ice and without the hope of Corey Crawford and Brent Seabrook and all these household names that, you know, John McDonough has built into this empire. It's slipping. And if, you know, there's any sign of the Hawks nipping it in the bud saying, you know what, we're going to do a rebuild. You know, what? we're going to stop what's best for the franchise is just to get some more talent in here. They don't want that. Right. They want to keep living in this dream and selling all these Blackhawks fans who buy the merchandise, who buy the, buy the tickets, buy the packages. There's so much money being cycled through this machine. And if there's just one signal of, you know, Hey, there's a warning, warning light on, you know, check your codes. Something might be wrong. They don't want any of that. Well, but I'm going to, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And, you know, Rocky Wirtz himself has said, you know, if the team starts out poorly, there, there could be some big changes and, um, setting aside the front office and, and the, the bench, um, which, you know, ostensibly if they start out poorly, I think they need to look there first, but look at this core. There's, there's one guy in particular who is the oldest of the core players, Duncan key, 35 years old. Um, if you look at his contract and his salary, um, I know there's a recapture issue with his salary if he retires early. Um, but, you know, just his average average uh, cap hit, I believe, is $5.25 million. Um, I got to believe at the trade deadline, if you put a Duncan Keith on the block, there'd be a lot of cup contending teams who would step up and probably would give you a nice package of young player um, high level quality prospect and relatively high draft pick as, as starters for, for a Duncan Keith, um, at the trade deadline. And that to me, and again, you know, I've been through a lot of, of ups and downs with this team over the years. And that to me would get me excited, assuming that you got really good value, um, in terms of young guys who could come in, um, you know, toward the end of this year, just show you what they got or, or definitely next year, um, who you could start to see a future around. Um, yeah, but he's, that, got, he's got go a ahead. no move. Yeah. And you've won three Stanley Cups. You have two Norris trophies. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer. Where, where are you trying to go? Right. He's got a kid, you know? Um, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I think uh, these, these conversations happen every year with every team. Um, guys with no movement clauses and, and it's for some reason, a lot of times these guys end up getting traded 
Um, the team will approach them, approach their agent, say, look, we've got an opportunity to get you with somebody who's got a real shot at a cup. Um, and a lot of times these guys will wave for those situations. Um, I'm, not, and I'm, not, I'm not suggesting they trade Keith. I'm not suggesting they're going to trade Keith. But you look at the guys that they can trade and the guys who might bring a, a, a valuable return, I would say he'd be right near the top of the list. Um, Kane and Taves is much more problematic because of all the things that are involved in off the ice in, in Chicago and, and this, the, the endorsements. Keith doesn't have a lot of high-profile endorsements in Chicago. Um, so, again, I, I don't know. I mean, but the bottom line is if you got you got all this money wrapped up in these guys but you're not doing anything meaningful to really optimize the roster around them, what are you doing? Then what are you doing? You're basically just treading water. Right. Right. Yeah. It, and, and again, we, we, I think I kind of mentioned earlier on about, you know, are they going to make a move? Maybe they're, they are, aren't one or two players away from being able to compete, but we keep going back. You have to give up assets to get assets. You have to give up an asset that has meaning or has value to another team. Right. What does, what does the Blackhawks have that has value for another team? It's going to bring back anything significant. Well, I, if, you know, again, again I, I don't know. And, and I mean, God I forbid you you suggest that they throw DeBrinket into a deal. Everyone I, loses their goddamn mind. I think, have, <laughs> I think they have a lot to sell, actually. Pardon what? me, Aaron? I think they have a lot to sell. If I think if the Blackhawks said, you know what, we're going to blow this thing up right now, I, I think that with what they have already in the prospect system, and I, I wish Mario was on because... I think the Ice Hogs are going to have a hell of a year. Um, the combination of Carlton and a lot of guys who are in their second, maybe third years, AHLs, um, pro contracts, and then the influx of the new guys, I think they're going to be really deep, and I think they're going to go deeper than last year. Um, but, yeah, I, I think if the Hawks decided to blow it up, I think they would have a lot to work with. Um, there are a lot of pieces that could be sold, in my opinion. Um Ooh. And it could be a quick turnaround. Who? I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, who could they sell? Here's the thing. I, I think that the, the the we're fooling ourselves if we if we think that anybody on that roster or in the organization has more value in trade than Kane, Keith, or Taves. They don't. They don't. As much as we want to bust on Taves, I guarantee you, if they put him on the block at his salary, there are teams that would be very very interested in him. Yeah. Um, Conversely, I'm not sure that Alex DeBrinket brings you back a hall, a, you know, a hall of talent, or Nick Schmaltz brings you back a hall of talent. I don't think they do, um, because they're they're guys with some promise, but like Gates said, they're, we're talking about second line players at the at the at the high end. That's their ceiling, um, and and that assumes that they you know that some some gaps in their game get filled in over time. Um, but if I don't know, if I were if I were, you know, running the Hawks and it's, you know, granted, it's not my money. Um, but I, I my instruction would be to whoever's the GM um, right now, go find me a Tarasenko. Go get me a Patrick Line. Get me a Rasmus Ristolainen. Let's let's stop screwing around with these with these guys that, you know, the late first round or second round draft picks we've, we've had to take because that's where we finished. Let's set the sights high. Let's go out and get the next generation of superstars that we can build another cup team around. Uh, because because this gradual sort of handoff to these young guys, 
that's not gonna that's not gonna get this team back to the Stanley Cup. Not gonna happen. No, Chris Kunitz will though. <laughs> right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. First line left wing Chris Kunitz to you, sir. <laughs> Lock it up. Why, why do we do this every year? It's infuriating. I, I know Mario hates us more than anybody, but why do we just get random, washed-up old guy to fill in the top top wing role with Jonathan Taves, and then he can just reinvent himself after playing fourth line minutes last year? Uh, I think it's just to say they, they did something and maybe sell a few more tickets and keep some of the corporate sponsors from running for the exits. I, I, I think that's all it is. It's, oh. it's a finger in the dike. Oh, they're running... Oh. Watch it. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with them? Figure it out. That's what I say. So figure it out. Uh, yeah. Well, they keep parading around that four cups rings and keep mentioning it, which is hilarious because 38 year old Chris Kunitz. I, mean, I think you brought this up before, John. What is 38 year old Chris Kunitz going to bring to that locker room that uh, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane shouldn't have already been right. bringing to this team. Right. right. Absolutely 40. nothing. There's 40. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, you know, let's, so let's go back. Let's go back in the way back a little bit. Let's say this was even 2016. Uh, no, maybe 2015. Let's say if you brought Chris Kunitz in that summer, there's you know, you could see where a guy like him in a complimentary role, um, you know, would have would have you know come in and and um, maybe really help that team because there was enough talent there. Uh, the the problem is is that the holes are so big now that a guy like Kunitz at thirty eight just can't can't do it. You know. Yeah. I mean, he's he's worthless. He's basically worthless. Yeah. So anyway, well, I know I know Aaron has to drop off, so. Uh, we're going to actually take questions without him, unfortunately. I didn't want to have to, but we got into this long conversation, which is, which is fine. But uh, we'll have yeah. to go, it'll just be you and I for questions. But thanks, Aaron, for joining us. And uh, he's late in the Goldie on Twitter. Make sure you follow him. He's going to be our prospect guy. He's pro- it looks like he may be taking on a lot of new stuff for us this year. So Awesome. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we kind of touched on the Chris Kunitz thing. Which is ridiculous. Chris Kunitz, not Jonathan Taze and Alex Debrinkin. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see that lasting very long. Uh, that's well, just, I don't know. I don't know who else they got, you know? That's well, the yeah. Thing. But if they don't, I mean, if they don't have anyone else and it doesn't go well, they're going to throw everyone in, you know, everyone right. but the kitchen sink at them. Then John, John Hayden will be playing first line. Right. Uh, Dominic Cahoon, uh, whoever. Right. Fire uh, up the clown car yeah, again. Exactly. So anyway. But uh, let's get let's get let's get into some questions a little bit. Uh, so anyway, let's get started. Ben Tallman, how long will the Hawks wait before announcing that Crawford's done, and how long will their minions in the media play along? I think we kind of pretty much talked about that pretty well. Um, I think they're going to hold on to hope, and they're not going to say anything uh, just because they don't want the fan base to burn it down and stand outside with tiki torches. And, uh, yeah, yelling and screaming, you know, calling for the heads of Stan Bowman and uh, Joe Quenville and John McDonough. So uh, they're just going to yeah. they're going to continue to lie like they have been. Because no one's taking them a task. No one's calling them out. 
You know? I, th- I, you know, and and yeah, I mean, I, we've both used that term. I'm not gonna, sh- I'm not gonna shy away from that. But I, I think the the op- the more apt term is denial. Yeah, this organization is in a state of denial. Yeah, or or they know better, and this is really just a a throwaway year. But again, that doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, you we hinted at that earlier. Why would you yeah. give you know? Uh, some old goalie who's a 908 uh, get extra money and a no trade clause other than you're going to get the shit beat out of you for the entire season. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Joe Hinker, a new question asker. Now that Murphy is out eight to 12 weeks, is Yoki Haro a lock to make this roster? Also, do you think Murphy's injury had any effect on him being a viable trade ship? Um, I, I mean, Yoki Haro is up in the air. They've got so many depth defensemen that I don't know that Yoki, keeping Yoki Haru up makes any difference. They've got, you know, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook. They don't have Connor Murphy, but they have Brandon Manning, Jan Ruda, Eric Gustafson, and then now they've brought in Brandon Davidson. Uh, I mean, right there, that's six players that's probably ahead of Yoki Haru at this point in time. And you yeah, might- I think... Quenville was talking about Yoki Haru in the last couple of days, and somebody asked a similar question. He said, you know, this is a guy who's really got to play in a top-four role wherever he is, and he may not be ready for that role in the NHL. And in light of everything that's going on with this team, um, rather than try to force-fit a guy who, who has long-term upside in this year right now to learn on the job, I think that they should, if they're going to you know, add some depth or, you know, build some, you know, whatever the depth is on defense. I think it needs to be guys like Manning and um, Davidson who've, who've got some experience and are sort of, you know, keep it simple, uncomplicated guys who, who are going to be probably lower mistake, less mistake prone than a Yoki Haru would be. Um, th- that's what that's what you got to go with right now. Um, you, you know, there's they're just too decimated on defense. I think with a 19 or 20 year old defenseman getting caved in night after night and making yeah. mistakes, you know, Steve it's going to work. It's going to hurt his confidence. It's going to stunt yeah. his growth. Steve I, McCarthy. Yeah. I, I don't think that it's necessarily, it's not going to make the difference. Henry Yokiharu making the Blackhawks is not going to make them the playoff team. No. So no. why, why bother? Why not let him develop another year? Let him play in the AHL. Let him get used to pro, you know, playing against actual pros. Yep. And build him there. Build up his yeah. confidence. Let him play I, all the minutes in the world. I don't think he's going to make the team. And if he does, quote unquote, make the team, I'll bet he's going to be back in. In um, you know, it, I guess he goes. Does he go back to no? He goes to the AHL. Well, there, yeah, year. there's still some confusion in there on where when yeah. when he was loaned and all this stuff. So there's a chance he goes to Rockford. I think it's a pretty high chance that he goes to Rockford. Yeah. Um, but at yeah. worst case scenario, he goes back to junior. So. But. Yeah, I mean, he could he could literally break camp with the team for five to seven games until Ruda gets back. Um, but again, I mean, Quinville even said if he if he were to make the NHL team, he'd be sitting a lot of nights, and they, they want him to play. Yeah. Um, so it just it, it makes sense for him and really for the organization for his development for him to for him to be in Rockford, um, and. Um, you know, again, they, that, that, that's, I think, why they went out and got these guys like Manning and Davidson, honestly. Yeah, it, it was cheap, and they didn't have to spend a lot of money. They didn't have to put a lot yep. into, into you know, signing them to multi-year, big multi-year deals or anything like that. Yeah. Um, they could just, you'll get by 
try to play a neutral zone trap or something. Uh, the, as far as the the trade ship, thing, I don't know that Murphy's. You know, Murphy looked all right uh, this summer from the times that I saw him. You know, out and about. Uh, I don't know when his injury actually happened. I don't either. Uh, it may have happened in. Uh, you know, it may have happened in in their fitness tests. Who knows? I mean, someone just got reported that he uh, yeah. was injured doing pull ups in a fitness test a young guy. So who knows when it happened? I don't know that it necessarily had an effect. I think a lot of it had to do with the, the, his reputation that, you know, everyone's, he stinks. He's terrible. He's awful. He's sitting now. No one knows where to put him. He, he has, he has no chemistry with anyone on the team. Then you try to trade him. People hear these things. Other teams hear these things. Other GMs hear these things. Other scouts hear these things and they watch it too. Like, you beat a guy's reputation down, who's going to pick him up in a trade? So I think that was more of a factor than anything else. Yeah. So anyway. um, I had heard some rumors over the last eh, last year or so that Murphy, you know, they've shopped him periodically. Um, that's That was from a good source, too. And uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, we've we've talked about Connor Murphy and, and you know, he's he's probably better than a lot they have right now. Um, and, um, it's, it's a shame cause he, he seems like a good kid who, who works hard and tries hard and has tried hard in Chicago and, uh, just, you know, wish him well and hope, hope he gets back. Yeah. They need him. I mean, he, yeah. he may not be the greatest defenseman in the world, but they need him cause he's something they don't have. <laughs> you know, he's that middle level defenseman that they don't have right now. So. Thanks, Joe, for the question. Matt Ahern's, uh, what are your early reviews of the core that seemed to slip last year? Taves, Keith, Seabrook, uh, what level of productivity can we expect from them this year? Well, if you ask some people, the way Jonathan Taves played in the CPHL means that he's going to have a wonderful season this year. I don't know, John. What do you think? <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't take anything. As you know, Gate, I don't take anything from, from the leagues like the CPHL. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm a Jonathan Taves fan. I still am. I still think that, um, you know, their combination of injury and turnover on his wings in the last couple of years has, has uh, and, and I think the, the other really big thing is the amount that the team is asking from him in terms of fake taking face-offs in all situations because there's no one else to do it. Um, I think that, uh, you know, uh, he, he's 30 years old. The guy works incredibly hard in the weight room. And, uh, in spite of all the stuff about his supplements and yoga and crap like that, I mean, the guy works really, really hard. Um, and he's super competitive. I, I, so I'm, I'm hopeful he's going to have a good year. I think, uh, you know, again, um, but you know, the, the way the, the Hawks system starts, their offense starts in the defensive zone and, and, uh, it's going to be hard for anybody in this team to, to be really productive um, if they don't have the defense figured out. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I, they could have wonderful, uh, seasons, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be any better than they were last year either. You know, Keith is a year older, Seabrook's a year older, maybe Seabrook lost some weight, maybe has a better, you know, slightly better year, but uh, that doesn't put him over the edge. I, you know, Seabrook, um, I really thought the latter half of the year go down the stretch, he was the Hawks best defenseman. Um, I thought he, he, after a rough start last year, he rebounded and he was, he actually, it sort of started to look like the Seabrook of old at times. Um, Murphy and, too. Uh, Murphy was pretty good in this, you know, this yeah. the last three quarters of the season. Yeah. 
And, you know, the weight loss, it may help him. He's, you know, he's a big guy and big guys tend to wear down more. Their joints tend to wear down more over time. And, you know, maybe taking the weight off, um, you know, will help with how he moves. And he's still a big guy. Um, so, again, I, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, betting my, my IRA on it. But um, I, I'm optimistic he can have a nice bounce back season, which, again, uh, those guys I'm not that worried about. I never really have been. It's it's the supporting cast that's the issue. Right. Yeah. Year after year. Yeah. For sure. <clears throat> it's it's the second the second string guys that need to be, you know, better. Yeah. So um let's see. Colby Bandow. Uh, another new question asker. If Seabrook plays or if Seabrook's play was bad enough this year, what is the circumstance of them buying him out? I hope he bounces back, but for discussion's sake, I they're not going to buy him out. I mean, his his contract, they would be paying his contract to like 2030 <laughs> if they tried to buy him out. Because it's like half the cap hit at double the length. And he's still owed like six years. So just imagine what, what whatever is, what is he, seven million, seven and a half million. Um, and so imagine three and a half, just over three and a half million over 10 years or 12 years. That's not happening. It's no. not. Uh, I think, you know, they're just going to basically bank on something changing in the next CBA that they can get out of that contract. So you're going to be stuck with it until then. Yeah. That's my my honest opinion on that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so my boy Burns Churches goes way back to the Puck and Hustle Shoutcast. Uh, does Cahoon, Yokiharo, Fortin make the team? Johnny? Um, I think I think Cahoon is has a really good shot of making it. Um, I, I wish I could say the same for Ford, and I just think the numbers are working against him. Um, based on what I saw last night, though, um, I don't know. I, I he's a guy I'd like to have on the team. I mean, he, he's he's a plus skater. Um, he really likes to use that speed to create um, stretch pass opportunities, and he almost connected one, Gustafson. Almost got almost connected with him on one last night in the third period, and he forechecks like crazy and uh, a lot of effort. But you know, he he's he's probably a, a bottom six player, and they've got at least three spots in the bottom six pretty much worked out right now, and probably a couple more that are pretty much guaranteed. So I I don't know, I don't think he's going to make it. And then Yoki Haru, uh, he like I said, he may break camp with the team because of injuries, but I think he's going to end up you know back in in Rockford. Um, before too long. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I agree with you on all accounts. Uh, Cahoon, I think based on the contract situation, the fact that he has the experience, he's a little older, he seems to be responsible, at least, you know, in all, you know, all facets of the game, at least responsible. Uh, I think that's going to get him like probably a third line role, maybe possibly fourth line sometimes. I think he's going to be in a bottom six to kind of move him around the lineup and not, he wouldn't, he's not going to kill anybody, you know? He's he he'll be responsible. If you throw him on the first line somewhere, he's not going to get you killed. He's not going to get you caved in. Uh, that's the kind of the way I look at it with him. Uh, I think that's all they're really looking for out of him. Yoki Haro, we talked about. Fortson, I'd like to see him make the team again. You said that it's a numbers game, unless John Hayden doesn't make the team, which I think he's going to. I think he's going to be given every opportunity to make the team because I think they really like him. Uh, over Fortin, I think they're going to, you know, want to pr- one of their prize draft picks. They're going to want to march out over a free agent guy. Um, 
not that necessarily he would nece- he would uh, you know have earned it, but I just think that's the the numbers game is going to go the same way with Fortin. But I think he could be one of those guys that you know if there's an injury, one of the first guys yep, called. I up. agree. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Him and it seems like the 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 two guys that'll probably be at Rockford that would be you know the the guys riding the shuttle uh, early on would be um, Fortin and um, uh, the other guy. <laughs> Skip um, Edsel? Edsel? No, not Edsel, the other guy. Um, the little guy. Um, also, Q- Lewis? Yeah, Anthony Q Lewis? Player. Oh, crap. It's driving An- me nuts now. Anthony Lewis? No, it's the guy The guy that I liked last year, too. Um, drive me nuts. Highmore? Highmore. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Highmore, Highmore and Fortin would seem like the guys that, that are going to get the call-ups uh, most quickly. I'm assuming Edsel's going to make the team because they I- seem to, you know feel that that he's got this great upside um and you know maybe maybe he does yeah i'm a bigger Edsel fan than you are but uh, i i think he's gonna make the team not necessarily because again not necessarily because he's earned anything yet but uh i think they like his size i think uh that because he can be he he has that that little thing where he could play center sometimes if they need him to he's not an nhl center just like nick schmaltz isn't an nhl center necessarily but he can play center from time to time. I think they like that. And the same with Cahoon. He could play center or he could play wing. I think they like to be able to mix that up a little bit. Yeah. They um, had Cahoon at wing last night, and I believe they had Edsel at wing too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, you're right. So we'll see if, I mean, because I think, you know, with either one of those guys, you, you know, they don't need another 40%, you know, face-off guy. Oh, for they sure. They don't need that. For sure. Yeah. So um, yeah. we'll see. Dan Metch on Facebook will Duncan Keith uh, wave his NMC. We already talked about that kind of. We already brought that up. No, no use bringing that up again and uh, rehashing that. And our boy, Mr. Shy Sox history. Ah, yes. Or the Rink.com's Lionel Hutz. That's Mr. right. Hutz, the official you know Mr. Hutz, do you know you're not wearing any pants? I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah. That's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. <laughs> Is Yokihara going to make the opening night squad? We kind of talked about that. If so, will Q play him more than five minutes? Follow up. How bad will the Leafs forwards burn him? Uh, badly. Uh, we've, we've answered kind of the other two. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to, you know, teams, again, teams like Edmonton that are very fast uh, or Toronto that are very fast forwards that are creative, are going to probably just walk around him. He's just not that good yet. Yeah. Not saying he's not going to be, but he's going from playing against junior players that he dominated to playing NHL players that are world-class. And uh, there's a big difference. And he hasn't shown anywhere in drills, in Traverse City, in preseason games, anywhere that he's capable of, you know, being a kind of a, you know, a shut down kind of guy that can stop, you know, stop something like that. So, and again, he a, a, could very well happen in the future. Just right now, he's not ready for that. And there's nothing wrong with that. So not saying we think he's a bust or anything. Oh, no, not at all. I mean, no. you know, d- defense is the toughest position on the ice in terms of matriculating to the NHL um, and being successful. And, uh, these guys, uh, yeah, I, I'm a believer in Yoki Haru, um, but I think it's 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 he's it's going to take another couple of years probably 
you know, maybe next year, maybe even late this year. It's up yeah. to him. But yeah. um, I, I don't see what, what all the urgency is about him, quote unquote, making the team and how how important that is. It, the bottom line is you you want him in there when he's ready. Um, yeah, the, and, it, 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 there's so much misguided, uh, you know, hope or whatever. Yeah. With, you know, making the team. Okay, yeah. And I've brought this up all summer long. Kyle Bond made the team out of camp. <laughs> you know where he's at right now? He's playing in England in the EIHL. Florida Everblades. Yeah, he was traded to Montreal, who did not qualify him, and and let him go over to the EIHL over in England. He's playing for Belfast. Right. Belfast. I mean, that's Kyle Bond, who made the team out of camp two years ago like a bat out of hell and was never seen from again. So yeah, everyone I mean, needs to kind of hold thing. down. I mean, it's, it, it, it all comes down to is it's not so much whether they make the team. It's, it's whether the guys that make the team are ready to play. Yeah. And uh, that's a big question with this team with the, with the number of holes that, you know, on the roster right now. Um, they think they just got to, they have to get the, the best 23 guys um, who can, you know, perform in the NHL night in, night out and, and just hope that they find some chemistry and, and uh, enough depth and enough quality left in the, in the core that, uh, that they can be a competitive team and, and worth watching. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my boy, Patrick judge, uh, he wanted to give me crap about to break it. <laughs> so much love to Patrick judge down in Nashville. Uh, Nick Lux says, where does comp fit? I, I think he's a numbers game. The bunch of, bunch of centers, uh, basically, Marcus Kruger came in and took David Kemp's job, and David Kemp yeah, is going to end mean, up in the and if uh, Kruger, like if Kruger can continue to be a, a 50% plus guy, and he skated fine last night, he, he looked he looked good to me. I got a a couple of things that you know Kruger, a little bit of Kruger hate on Facebook from a couple of people, but I, I didn't see it. I thought he looked fine, and um, you know Marcus Kruger knows how to play that role in the NHL as long as his body's up to it, and it looks like he is, and. If that's the case, then yeah, it might be a numbers game for Camp. He may be down in in Rockford too. the The moral of the story here is Marcus Kruger is one of Joel Quenville's favorite crutches. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's not going to stop. Just like you know, Nick Jomerson was, or you know, Quenville has his little pets that he loves. And, it's, and it was Trevor Van Riemsdyk for a while. Yeah. He just loves Marcus Kruger, and that's the fact. And, he, and he's going to play Marcus Kruger over people who may be more deserving. And that's just what we've learned. You know, come yeah, to- you know, I, but the thing is, is I don't buy that because here's the thing. Like I said, if he's healthy, there's a role he fills, and he fills it really, really well. He's not – He's you can you can look at the score sheet and say, yeah, he doesn't score like this guy or that guy, and he doesn't have, like, the, the, uh, the offensive skill. That's not his job. If that's not what Quenville likes about him. What Quenville likes about him is what he does in the defensive zone and on the penalty kill. That's it. And, you know, again, as long as he's healthy, he can do that and do that job really, really well. I don't, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, but he's got to be healthy. And if he's not healthy, then then, he can, then they can't keep him around because he doesn't do anything else. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just I, I get it. I get why Q loves him for, for what he does. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was impressed with what I saw of David Kemp, and I don't think he did necessarily, demonstrably, more than what Marcus Kruger can give. No. You know, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I People forget, and it wasn't that long ago, 
you know, the way that Kruger just drove um, Ryan Kessler and, and Ryan Getzlaff absolutely nuts in the uh, 2015 Western Conference Final. And um, it takes it takes a unique ability in knowing how to play the game to do that. And, uh, um, again, I'm not saying David Camp couldn't do that, but, you know, you know Marcus Kruger's got a couple of Stanley Cup rings, and it wasn't just because he was around. I mean, he he made a meaningful contribution on those teams, even if it didn't always show up in the score sheet. And um, it's just, again, if he's healthy, he can do that job and, and do it really well. Unfortunately, it's the second and third line center that are more of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, last question from RD Gambler, another, uh, uh, another first-time Question asker, uh, if Crawford returns the season at some point, who's the odd man out? Too many goalies in the system. I'm gonna, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to jump on this right away. Sure. Um, they're going to have to send Anton Forsberg somewhere. Cam Ward can't go anywhere. They can't trade him. He's got a no trade clause. He's going to stick with the team. Corey Crawford, you know, if he, if he plays, he plays. They're not going to carry three goalies. They're going to try and somehow squeeze Anton Forsberg through waivers. Yeah, and he may not make it through waivers. And I've had this discussion a, a couple of times in the past week. They don't want to put him through. They don't want to put Forsberg through waivers. He's going to be the backup to start the season, basically, unless he completely craps the bed. He is going to be the backup to start the season because they're not going to try and sneak him through waivers. Someone right. will pick him up. They don't want to give up a guy that they traded in the Brandon Sod Panarin trade up for nothing, right. who has a little bit of value. He's, you know, still a young goalie. He's got a little bit of a pedigree. They're just not going to let him go. They won't let him go. And they're not going to try and sneak him through waivers because he won't make it through waivers. But that said, they're not going to have a choice right. later on in the season. If well, Crawford comes back. They, so let's say, that, let's say that Crawford comes back, quote unquote, comes back. Let's, let's just throw a yeah. date out there. Let's say Thanksgiving or let's say Christmas or um, Valentine's Day comes back. And Forsberg has had a decent season as the backup. And who knows, maybe he even ends up, you know, splitting time with Ward because statistically he was about the same as Ward was last year. Almost exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And so let's just assume that. So if I'm the Hawks, I'm going to carry three goalies for a week or so just to see if Crawford can really hack it back from his injury in actual NHL action before I do anything with Forsberg. Because the last thing you want to do is Crawford come back, um, you know he gets he bangs his head off the pipe or takes a slapper off the mask and he and he and he can't play again, and you've lost your number two goalie to waivers. Um, so that's what I would do. I, is if if Crawford comes back in the middle of the season, I, I'd actually carry three for at least a, a couple few games. Oh yeah, for a couple few games for sure until yeah, you see what you've to, got. Just to make sure, and then yeah, I, I could see I could see. Forsberg kind of becoming the the Craig Anderson of this of this generation. Some fans will remember the Hawks must have cut or waived and re-signed Anderson three times one year um, before he finally ended up, I believe, down in Florida, and and his career kind of took off from there. But uh, I could kind of see that. I could see them maybe getting like a later round draft pick for Forsberg um, in a trade if you know somebody somebody wants to take a flyer on him, or yeah. they you know they'll just waive him. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to have a choice at some point in time. They can't carry three goalies for the entire season. They no. won't. But, and that's if Crawford comes back. Right, yeah, for sure, yeah. And and, and again, I, I, you make a great point, and, uh, which is 
you can't just send them down right away because you don't know what you're going to have with Crawford. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, for a week or two or whatever, but you know, let's, they're saying if Crawford comes back and let's say he can play, he might not be able to play at a great level, but let's say he can play at least every other game or at least play the backup role. I don't know, whatever. They're going to have to do something with Forsberg and he's going to have to, he's going to have to go down to Rockford, which is going to then create another problem because you got Delia, Lincoln and possibly Tompkins going back and forth is the, you know, the, I, you're stuck with a lot of goalies down there, which yeah. causes a, you know, a developmental problem lower in the organization. But uh, at this point in time, oh, well, <laughs> you know, this is what they had to do. And I think they're planning more for not having Corey Crawford than they were for when he's back, honestly. So I think that does it. That's it for questions. Uh, anything else you want to bring up before we get out of here? Uh, no, I'm just excited about, uh, about the year two of the rink. Um, and, uh, we got some exciting things in, in the, in the pipeline. <clears throat> um, some we're not at liberty to talk about right now. Um, but, uh, we're, we're really excited about that. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens with this Hawk team, just, uh, stick with us because we're going to cover it. We're going to cover it honestly. Um, and we're going to, you know, um, tell it like it is. Um, and hopefully tell, tell, tell you like it is with a lot of detail and factual support. And, um, uh, we, we want you to expect that from us. Um, so that's all I got. Yeah, I agree with you. You're going to see a lot of new names out there, a lot of new faces writing for us. And, uh, that's good. That means we're expanding, we're growing. We got a, we got a nice roster and, uh, it's going to allow people to do other things. And people to be able to spread their wings a little bit. Last year, we, we ended you know, we were a little hamstrung towards the end of the year, a little exhausted with the long season and stuff. So now it's, uh, you know, it's nothing but positive things at the rink. And uh, I'm really excited for the, 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 the year coming up. So anyway, as I said just now, uh, you can find all of our wonderful content at www.thedashrink.com. You can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official you can find the Rinkcast account at the Rinkcast on twitter you can find me at puck and hostel on twitter and on instagram uh you can find you sir mr jekyll at at jekyll j-a-e-c-k-e-l don't forget our our exclusive sponsors at uh puckhockey.com that's p-u-c-k-h-c-k-y.com you can find them on twitter you can find them on instagram they're posting a lot of cool new stuff Go there, buy some rink gear, a lot of cool stuff. Use the discount code THERINK to get 10% off of your orders. Um, if you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. That helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. That's how you can help us out. Um, I don't really have much in the way of plugs. I know we're going to get the guy from Puckpedia coming on soon. Hopefully a lot of really good guests this season, so we got a lot going on. Uh, I got no other plugs. John, you got any other plugs? I got nothing. Cool. All right. Well, that being said, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the link.